We'll be turning to Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, and we'll be reading the first 10 verses of this passage. Here the word of God is written in the book of Hebrews, starting at chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he had suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Christians often say, Jesus Christ is my Savior. And sometimes when you are witnessing, you may ask somebody, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And they may say yes. And then you will say, do you believe that Jesus Christ saves you from your sins? And you may have a conversation with somebody over these topics, and it's appropriate to use this as a starting point of a conversation. But I want to speak to you today about how much that really means to us. It is a starting point to a conversation. But Jesus Christ is more than just a Savior. Jesus Christ is working actively on our behalf. And the work that he does is more than we can even imagine. And so what kind of work is Jesus doing? And we've said in the past that Jesus is a mediator. He is working on our behalf as kind of a go-between between us and God. And that's where we are. Now, how does this happen? And when we say Jesus is a mediator, we say that Jesus has three different jobs. Jesus is a prophet, which we spoke about in a previous sermon, where he speaks to us the word of God. But Jesus is also a priest, which we're going to focus our time on today. And lastly, Jesus is king. In the future, we'll speak about Jesus as a king. And so how are we going to describe our Lord Jesus Christ as a priest? First of all, we're going to say he is the ultimate high priest. And we'll talk about what it means to be a high priest. But then secondly, Jesus is interceding on our behalf today. And so what do we mean when we talk about a priest? And we're not going to talk about a priest that you may meet today on the streets, a 
priest of the Catholic Church or one of the other churches, or you may talk to a Buddhist priest or somebody like that. We're talking about a priest that is described in the Bible in the Old Testament. And this priest is described as a person who enters God's presence on behalf of the people of God. They were mediators between man and God. They represented man to God. And in a previous sermon, we talked about Jesus as prophet. And Jesus as prophet was someone who spoke the words of God. He faced the people of God. He was standing in front of the people of God, just as I am today. But Jesus as a priest turns around and he faces God. And he's speaking to God on behalf of man. Jesus is able to fulfill both of these roles. He can do both jobs. In the Old Testament, we never read of somebody who was a priest and a prophet. They were two different jobs, two different roles that were in the church at that time or in the temple worship. And so our first question that we're asking ourselves, and we'll spend most of our time on this, is how is Jesus Christ the ultimate high priest? And first of all, we would say, as we read in our passage, that being a high priest was an honor. It was not something to be taken lightly. Aaron was given the job by God through Moses to be a high priest. He was assigned that position. And in the Old Testament, there were qualifications to be a priest. You had to be a Levi. You had to be a man. You had to be between certain ages. And if all of those were true, you could become a priest. But by the time of Jesus, there were so many Levite men who were eligible to become priests, and there were so few priestly jobs that they had to use some sort of a lottery system in order to choose men to serve for a period of time as a priest. And we see Zechariah, who is the father of John, fulfilling his lottery assignment, and when he was approached by the angel that foretold the birth of John. But they had to meet certain criteria. It was an honor for him to be able to serve. But secondly, in the Old Testament, the high priest was chosen. And I don't know exactly how the high priest was chosen each time there was a high priest, but it was a divine calling. And we read in our passage that Jesus Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but he was appointed, as we read in Hebrews 5, verse 5. Aaron was chosen by God. Each of the high priests had to be chosen to fulfill that role. He was likely promoted from being a priest to a high priest because they saw the qualities in him that were good to be 
a high priest. And so thirdly, the priesthood, or the need to have a priest, has existed since Adam and Eve. God established a covenant with man whereby the sins that they have committed by each man and woman would be transferred to somewhere else. And so the sacrificial system was developed by God to transfer sin from an individual to an animal by shedding the blood of a goat or a sheep to pay for the sins of the people. Now everyone knew that that taking that lamb and killing that lamb and taking that blood to offer it before God was only representative of the sins being taken away. They knew that there was going to be a better system in the future. We read in Hebrews that Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises from Hebrews 8, verse 6. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. We read in Hebrews 9, verse 15, and that covenant is a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Jesus' death on the cross was a death that had power. When someone brought a lamb for a sacrifice, the death of the lamb represented their sins. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus took those sins. It was an actual transaction, not a transaction that had meaning but didn't really do anything. Jesus fulfills the need as an ultimate high priest. But fourthly, Jesus Christ was not only a priest, he was more than that ordinary priest. He was that ultimate high priest. And we read about Aaron's role as high priest. And Aaron did all the duties that a priest would do. And all of those duties were, were many ritual duties. And they were involved in doing sacrifices. But Aaron had another job. On the Day of Atonement that came once a year, he would enter the tabernacle and go into a room in the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies and take blood and sprinkle it on the ark. Now let me just explain a little bit to you. In the time of Jesus, there was a temple. Surrounding the temple was a courtyard. Only Jewish men were allowed in that courtyard. Only the priests were allowed to go into the temple. And the temple was really a two-room building. The first room was the holy place. In that holy place was a small altar. 
The priest would burn incense representing the prayers of the people. He would light a candle in that room. The second room inside the temple was a room that nobody ever went into. That room contained one piece of furniture, and that was a box. We call it the ark. It was a very beautiful box. Inside the box were the Ten Commandments. There was a rod of Aaron. There was a sample of manna. But on top of the box was a special sculpture, so to speak. There were angel wings, the seraphim. And those wings were made in such a way that it looked like a seat. It looked like a place where you could sit down. And the only person who sat in that place was God. And so when the priest went into that holy of holies, He was sprinkling blood of a goat or a lamb on the mercy seat before God. He did this once a year. He did it for all the sins of the people that had been committed during that past year. When we compare Aaron and Jesus... We see that Jesus did something different than Aaron or any other high priest. Jesus did not have to go into the holy place of the temple, pass through the curtain into the Holy of Holies. Jesus went directly before God in heaven. He presented his blood to God. His blood had been shed for sins of all the people, for all time, past and future. He went to a very different place than Aaron went or any other high priest went. And then we read that when Aaron entered the earthly tabernacle or the temple with the blood, He went into that place that represented the presence of God. And when Jesus went before God, he went because he had the perfect sacrifice. Before Aaron did this on the Day of Atonement, and before any high priest did this on the Day of Atonement, when there was a temple in Jerusalem, the high priest had to prepare himself. And when we read some of the documents that are extra biblical but written at about this time, we found out that the high priest took this job very seriously. If you were going to go into the presence of God, wouldn't you prepare yourself before you go there? If you have to go and talk to your boss about something, don't you prepare yourself for what you're going to say to your boss, how you're going to explain what it is that you need or what you want or whatever. Well, Aaron is going into the presence of God. And so for days ahead, he's preparing himself. 
He has to be clean. He has to be pure. His clothes have to be perfect. And the night before, he doesn't even sleep because he's afraid if he falls into a dream and dreams some bad things, which he has no control over, uh, he has... He has caused himself to be stained. He wants to be pure. And so just before he goes in, before he makes the sacrifice for the people, he makes a sacrifice for himself. And then he makes a sacrifice for the people, and he takes the blood of that lamb and brings it in before God. Jesus Christ had no need to purify himself. He was already perfect. He was prepared to make this sacrifice. The blood that he had was not stained. It wasn't, uh, there was no issues with it. The lamb that he had sacrificed, which was himself, was a perfect lamb. There were no blemishes in his sacrifice. And then Aaron was afraid. Every high priest was afraid because he was concerned. What if God looks at me and when I'm sprinkling that blood, he sees that I am such a sinful man that he strikes me dead. And so we read, that they tied a rope around his ankle so that if he died when he was in the Holy of Holies, they could pull him out. And it seems kind of humorous to us today, but that's what the way of thinking was, that they wanted to make sure that this man, the high priest, was as pure as possible. We read in the scriptures that Jesus was that perfect person to go in. It says, the law, in Hebrews 7, 28, the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. These men knew they were weak. They knew they had flaws. That's why they put together all these rules about going into the Holy of Holies. But the word which of the oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Jesus Christ is that perfect son. Jesus Christ could go in to see God. He didn't have to go into the temple which represented the seat of God. He could go where God is seated and come before God with the sins of the people. Jesus had no fear in approaching the mercy seat of God because Jesus is God. Jesus had no fear that he would die in that holy of holies and have to be dragged out because he was immortal. He was God. And when Aaron entered the holy of holies, and he sprinkled that blood over the ark. This was a representative 
redemptive sampling of the sins of the people that were represented by the blood. When Jesus Christ comes before God the Father and he presents blood, that's his own blood, that blood represents the sins of the people, but it does more than represents the sins. It is the sin of the people. The people's sins have been paid for by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Hebrews, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. That's Jesus Christ as our high priest. Aaron and the high priests, and they did this for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. Think about it. They had to go to the temple or the tabernacle for a while, once a year on the Day of Atonement, go into the Holy of Holies, and they had to do it again the following year and the following year, and then you'd get a new high priest, and he would have to do it the following year. It was something that had to be done. But Jesus Christ's sacrifice was once, and it was for all sins. It hasn't, doesn't need to be done ever, ever again. It says in Hebrews seven twenty seven, he has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily or even yearly, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Now, there's no need to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and to reestablish the sacrificial system. There is no need. There is no need to establish a sacrificial system today. Our sins are atoned for. But there is a need for you to come before God and to ask for forgiveness of your sins. And if you do that, and you are in your heart, have faith that he can forgive you of your sins, your sins will be forgiven because Jesus Christ has paid for your sin through his love by the one sacrifice that he made. That is the difference between this old sacrificial system and what we have today. You don't always have to worry, I sinned yesterday, I better bring a sacrifice to the temple today to cover those sins that I did yesterday. You need to come before God, your Father, and ask for forgiveness of that sin that you did yesterday that now you realize that you need forgiveness for. You can go yourself. And so how is... Jesus Christ, a superior high priest. He is the ultimate high priest. 
He was given this honor by God. He was chosen by God from before the beginning of time to be the high priest. He fulfilled all the duties of the high priest according to the covenant that God had made with man on how it is to cover our sins. And he performed his duties perfectly. And so what are the effects of Jesus fulfilling the duties of the high priest. And these effects are immense and they're life-changing. They're far-reaching. First of all, Jesus took sin away. That is the effect. We just read this morning in John 1. And John saw Jesus, and here is what John said. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is an enormous effect. Jesus was able to take away the sin of the world for those who have faith in him. But secondly, he absorbed God's wrath against sin. We read in Romans 3, verse 25, God put forward Jesus as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. He took away our sin through his blood. Thirdly, Jesus reconciled God to us. Remember, Jesus is a priest. He is going before God, and he's saying, these are my people. I want you, God the Father, and my people to be reconciled. I want you to have a relationship. I am the priest. I'm the mediator. And so he reconciled us. The only way he could reconcile us between us and God is through his blood. As we read, and through him, he reconciled himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, and that's peace with God, by the blood of his cross from Colossians 1, verse 20. God, Jesus, redeemed us from the curse. And what is that curse? If you are not in the Lord Jesus Christ... If you don't know anything about him, if you haven't even thought of him, you are going to die. Oh, you say, I am. I know. You are going to die and you will be eternally separated from God. You are going to be in a place where God is going to allow you to live separated from him in hell. God is still in charge of hell, but he's not going to take charge of hell. He's let Satan handle hell. Fifthly, Jesus destroyed the devil and delivered us from the fear of death. I think most of us, in a way, fear dying. Most of us are afraid of death, the way that we're going to die. But do you fear actually dying? Well, Jesus took that fear away. And we read in Hebrews 2.14, and though through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is 
the devil. And so to us, death might be a blessed event. It might be leaving this world and entering another world, a world of beauty, a world we are, where we are united with our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't see him around today. He's not driving his car around Sussex County. He's not somewhere in this world that we can go and hear him preach. But he will be in heaven when we get to heaven. In the meantime, Jesus gave us his spirit. And we call that spirit of Jesus the Holy Spirit. And that spirit helps us in so many ways. Helps us in our understanding of who he is. Helps us to believe that he is the one who has saved us from our sins. And lastly, Jesus Christ revealed how much God the Father loves us. God gave us his son as a sacrifice for the sins of his people. We read in 1 John, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And as we think about this, have you meditated on the fact or some of these passages and considered what your life might be like without the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you considered yourself and the kinds of sins that you would like to do or involved in or what you think about and that Jesus Christ is the one who gave his life to save you out of that? Have you thought about the wonder that God himself has loved you? He has thought about you, and he wants you as his home. He wants you to spend eternity with him. Those are things that we need to think about from time to time just to get an idea of the wonder of God's love. It is wonderful. When we say wonderful, we really mean salvation is wonderful. And so that's what God has done. He has reconciled us. Now, the remaining few minutes, I just want to mention that Jesus Christ, even though he's our ultimate high priest, this is all in the past, it seems like. So what is he doing today? Jesus Christ is interceding on our behalf, and perhaps we don't quite understand what that means. We have an example in the Bible that explains what Jesus did for Peter. We read in Luke 22, verse 31. Jesus looks at Peter and he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But, 
and Jesus is looking at Simon. This must have been an intense conversation. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter was unaware that Satan had guns going. Peter didn't know that he was being subjected to Satan's attack. Jesus is doing this for you today. Have you ever thought of that? Satan has you as a possible target. And Jesus is in heaven praying on your behalf to protect you from what Satan wants to do to you. Satan is a tremendous tempter. Jesus is going to prevent Satan from tempting you so much that you lose your faith. That's what he did for Simon Peter. He is blunting the temptations the difficulties that Satan can put in your faith, in your path. As Christians, we may lose our health. Our finances might become ruined. Our relationships are broken. But Jesus is praying for us. He's protecting us. None of these are going to be so difficult that we can't withstand them. We read in Romans 8. I, oh, 8.26. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever thought of it? I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray. That Jesus can take that and he can make that presentable before God, our Father. Because Jesus knows how you ought to pray. He knows what it is you should do. And so as he prays to his Father, that will begin to give you clarity in your own mind through his spirit working in you. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. If you read a lot about the priests in the Old Testament, there is no chair in the temple. There is no chair in that courtyard that goes around the temple. There is one place where someone can sit down, and that's in the Holy of Holies, and only one person is allowed to sit in that chair, which we call the mercy seat, and that is God. The priests were busy with the work that they were given. They were always standing. They were always working, doing things. So what do we read about Jesus when he goes up to heaven? We read 
we read that he, I have to find my passage here, we read that he offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, and then it says in Hebrews 10, 12, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, in his sitting down doesn't mean that his work is done, but he's sitting down right next to God, right next to him, so that he can lean over and say things to God. That's the picture that we're given, that he has God's ear. He's sitting at his right hand. He's speaking in God's left ear about what it is that we're praying about, how we come before him, how he's protecting us from the devil. That's what Jesus is doing as a high priest. He is he is taking our prayers and presenting them before God. He is looking at what Satan is doing and protecting us from the devil. That's what Jesus is doing. Let me end with this question. Have you placed your trust in Jesus as the final sacrifice for your sins? Do you think Jesus is your priest? Is he your ultimate high priest? If so, what joy and freedom you have in knowing where you are headed. You know who is upholding your prayers before God. What peace you have. What rest you have for your weary soul. And when you are buffeted by Satan, you know that Jesus is there preventing him from killing you off and taking away your faith. Our spiritual burdens are lifted from us by Jesus. We are forgiven. Jesus is our ultimate high priest. Perhaps you've heard this song, I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me.